0: all right everyone welcome welcome to the inaugural episode of dangerous thoughts i'm carter Laren. we are back on the main channel on unsafe space on youtube Uh, i should shout out there are a few people who gave us some nice one-time donations when we got suspended just to help us out so i appreciate that i haven't sent thank yous to people yet but we did notice thank you very much um as always the best way to watch any show on Unsafe Space is to go to unsafespace.com. Uh, you can sign up there. You can support us through buying merch or, or becoming a paid subscriber. Uh, or you can just watch the show there. Um, this should be streaming from that live embed um, there as well. And eventually, you'll be able to do Super Chats from there. But right now, you have to do Super Chats from YouTube. Or uh, I think you might be able to do something on Utreon or Odyssey, because we're streaming there as well. Anyway. Don't forget to fight censorship by punching that subscribe button. So do that. Thank you, Tomsky. He says, main channel is here. Can't stop the signal. No, you can't. Thank you for the Firefly reference. Um, anyway, uh, this is a new series. It's called Dangerous Thoughts. Um, I'm going to try and do it weekly, hopefully mostly live, although as some of you know, got some personal issues which might trump the show in the next few weeks so maybe there'll be some recorded ones might have to skip a week but generally I'm gonna try this try to do the show every week I'm gonna try to do it live and the purpose really is we we often get requests for me to explain or just help or explore or go a little deeper into some idea that I've brought up or someone else has brought up and I've commented on or whatever, and there really hasn't been a venue on Unsafe Space for that yet, Um, and that's what this show is for. It's for me to just kind of go a little bit deeper into my nerdiness and discuss ideas with guys. Uh, Beverly, Tomsky does not get his money back just because I didn't say woo. That's not how it works. But I will say woo now. Um, So anyway, The show, uh, Dangerous Thoughts, is going to be pretty loosely split into three segments. Um, The first segment of every episode, I will be practicing defining a word that's often misused or unclear uh, in the mainstream. Um, Then we'll explore some kind of a topic. This might be something that I think is culturally relevant or important. It might be something that someone in the unsafe space community brought up that they've been asking about or wanting to discuss. Sometimes it'll just be me. Sometimes I'll have a guest on to dive deep into something. Um, and then the third segment, I'll just do chats. It's a chance to respond to tell me I'm an idiot uh, or suggest future topics or or whatever. So the only exception to that format is today. And the reason that's an exception is uh, I think, I was thinking about it and I thought, I can't just do the format where I start with a definition and then do a topic because I need to I think it's helpful for me to explain why I think definitions are such an important part um, of thinking and why I want to make them an important part of the show. Um, and to do that, I'm, I'm going to have to introduce this concept of con- a conceptual hierarchy. And today, we are going to look at a definition. We'll look at the definition of the word science, because uh, a debate about even the meaning and use of the word is in the it's part of the modern zeitgeist now. So we will look at that but we'll do that after I go into a little bit of a description of why I think definitions matter and what I think this thing called the concept hierarchy is and why it's important. So without that or sorry with that said let's uh let's move forward. So it it might seem kind of weird uh and overly academic or it feels like we're doing homework for me to say, definitions matter, right? The kid that had the dictionary walking around high school usually didn't have a lot of friends, Um, although one of my best friends walked around high school with a dictionary, and I think someone in our community was mentioning they did that the other day. But, uh, you know, people aren't like, hey, do you want to live the best life you can and be happy and and fulfilled? Study definitions. Like, that's not usually what people think of, Um, but, Maybe it should be. Uh, I'm not when I so also when I talk about philosophy, and I'm going to talk about philosophy a lot. I'm I'm not primarily interested in the history of philosophy. Most people who say that they're philosophers or study philosophy in school or talk about philosophy, they're really philosophic historians. They're really good at memorizing what so and so said about something, or they've devoted a large percentage of their of their time to, you know, disentangle the ramblings of some neurotic that the Germans like. Um, something like that. They're really, they're really into that. And for me, and when I use the word philosophy, and, and what I mean by philosophy is is really something that helps you live here on Earth. I mean, to me, philosophy only matters to the extent that it's practical, to the extent that it helps you live on Earth. Um, so, it's fundamentally, it should be this practical thing. Um, and the motivation behind behind studying practical philosophy is emotional. It's an emotional motivation, right? You love life, presumably. You want to be happy and fulfilled, and you want to live a self-actualized life. These are fundamentally emotional motives for caring about your life. Um, And that's why philosophy, from a practical perspective, matters. Um, I also think it might be why, this is just a theory, but it might be why a lot of academics and elites uh, have built their en- entire careers trying to obscure the practicality of philosophy. Um, I think a lot of them are just fundamentally resentful of life itself. Uh, they kind of don't want us to be confident about how to live and happy. They want us to feel helpless and confused and overwhelmed by the complexity of what so and so wrote or, or you know deep thoughts that seem really deep when you're high. Uh, and you know, they want us to do this because a, maybe they just you know they're kind of nihilist and they want us to be unhappy as well but also they want us to need them, to guide them, right? So how dare someone who doesn't have a PhD and understand the nuances of Immanuel Kant talk about philosophy? You're unqualified, only I'm qualified because I went and studied blah, 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 blah. That's not philosophy, what philosophy is. And they are substituting uh, a bunch of contradictions and confusions and spaghetti language for depth and those aren't the same thing. So we're going to be deep but we're going to try and be clear because if we're not clear, nothing we say is useful. All right. So yeah, thinky talk. Someone just said thinky talk. (laughs) That's what they say, right? It's thinky talk. You wouldn't understand. Don't worry about CRT. It's just thinky talk. All right. So in general, I am not going to, because with all that that said, in general, I'm not going to talk usually, about what so-and-so philosopher said. Um, however, since I'm giving definitions of prominence in this show, I do think it's worth pointing out that Socrates began his discussions with a search for definitions. Um, now, remember that Socrates at the time, we have nothing written of his, so everything we have is, is representational that someone else wrote about Socrates. But uh, at the time, Socrates was fighting sophistry. Now the sophists had interpreted the previous philosophers, so there were there were previous philosophers, and then you know when you read about some of these early uh, philosophers, they uh, it's pretty rudimentary. Like they're making propositions about you know what the world is made of. It's all water. It's all this. Like so, you know they they're, they couldn't agree on some things. These early philosophers, and so the sophists came around and they said. Well, because he can't agree on the nature of the universe, therefore, uh, no truth is really possible, so we're just going to use words to manipulate, and boom, we're off to the races doing that. And Socrates didn't like this. He spent his life fighting sophistry and fighting their unclear definitions. He was always looking for clear, fixed, and universal definitions. He's credited kind of with, with universalizing definitions, and he was always looking for logical inconsistencies in what the sophists said there might be a parallel to today i don't know you could some of you might see a parallel between the sophists of ancient greece in uh fifth century bc and modern universities i am going to use this opportunity to throw out one of my favorite quotes from atlas shrugged which is by dagny dagny taggart and she turns to her brother at one point and says james you ought to discover someday that words have an exact meaning. Yes, they do. So, let's talk about concept hierarchies. And this is why I think definitions are important. And to do that, I'm sorry, I'm gonna have to introduce concept hierarchies. Um, In order to live on Earth, this is gonna start out very basic and hopefully it will stay pretty basic, but in order to live on Earth, we have to have some understanding of the world to guide our actions, right? Um, even if it's an, that's like an unconscious understanding, right? We have to know: uh, don't drink the poison, don't jump off a cliff, uh, don't fight a bear empty-handed, right? Uh, you know, don't try and swim all the way to Europe f- from America. Like, there's some things we have to understand how the world works, or else we die. Um, and of course, if we want to thrive, we need to do more than just avoid things. We need to understand stuff that's good for us as well. So, hey, do learn the local language. Um, you know do brush your teeth uh do remember to eat something nutritious once in a while right we have to understand how the world works because we're living in the world and you can think of this understanding mentally even as even if it's unconsciously held as this mental model that we carry around of the world right this mental model that includes uh, eating sugar and not brushing teeth yields cavities but brushing teeth reduces cavities because it reduces you have a Mental model going on in your head. Um, and usually we build this model, starting as as children, um, we build this model from the ground up through things that we perceive. We perceive some stuff in the world, and we form some basic concepts. I'm gonna actually put up, I'm not always gonna have a slide, but in this case I actually have I have a couple slides. So, so yeah, so we form this, we form this mental model and we start down at the base here of the pyramid and here on the slide you see we've got a bunch of concretes. These are concepts that are close to reality. Now, by the way, I'm skipping over um, the perceptual level, how we go from precepts to concepts. Let's just, I'm not going to talk about that right now. So, but at the early we start with these kind of really simple concretes and we've got concretes in our head. Apple, steak, opal, coal, um, you know, we might have other. Those are the ones I labeled, right? We might have other stuff thrown in: oranges, peaches, bananas, cheese, milk, blueberries, strawberries, Nutella. These are all foods. We might, over, we all might also have other rocks and stuff. We might have iron and coal and granite and all this other stuff. We might all these things that we encounter, and we we label them. We have concepts for them. We know what an apple is. But, uh, you know, and, and by the way, most people do a pretty good job at this level. Uh, we have a decent model at this level. And if we didn't have a decent model, at least at this level, we literally couldn't function, right? If we couldn't tell the difference between coal and an apple, <laughs> it would be hard to live. So, um, you know, this is this is kind of how we, we start. You can think of our concepts as starting at the kind of concrete level. Um, But it's kind of, with all this stuff, it's kind of difficult to plan and think with all these different concepts in our head at once, right? This is a lot of, I mean, you know, I just named a few things. You could see this list would get pretty long. Um, And it's difficult for us to plan and think and hold all these concepts in our head at one time. We have a limited crow, which is a crow is like what we can hold in our head. We have a limited crow. We can't contemplate all of these things at once, which makes it difficult to make decisions. And so we solve this problem as humans, or we're supposed to, uh, by adding a layer of abstraction. So we say, okay, now we're gonna take all this stuff over here, we're gonna call it food. Apple, steak, peaches, bananas, cheese, milk, blueberries, Nutella, they all fit in over here. Coal, diamonds, sandstone, granite, opal, quartz, they're all gonna fit over here, and we're gonna call this category food, and we're gonna call this rock. Okay, great. We've got some concepts and these concepts are related. Food and rock aren't just floating out here nowhere. They're connected to the concrete that they subsume, right? Okay, now this is helpful, but now our, our, our concept hierarchy is starting to get complex. It gets obviously way more complex than this, but this starting to get complex. And there's two things that we have to do here, and and these are the result of some obvious things that I'll state. One is, we're not omniscient. And two is, we're not infallible. So not being omniscient means we're going to miss a whole bunch of stuff. So there'll be some errors of omission. We'll forget about sushi. We won't know about it, maybe. And that would belong in the food category. We might not know about uranium, which would belong in the rock category. We might have forgotten, oh yeah, there's a concept of mom. Where does that go? She's not food and she's not a rock. Where's mom go? I need a new category or whatever. There's other concepts. So we can have errors of omission. We can miss stuff because we're not omniscient. And we will miss stuff. We'll miss most of the universe. We'll miss. That's okay. Um, Also, we're going to have some errors of misidentification we're going to be wrong sometimes. So sometimes we're gonna say, oh, mom's cookies, those are rocks. No, right, they might taste like rocks, they might be as hard as a rock, but they are not actually rocks. So they don't belong, this is a misidentification. Or, you know, if we're some uh, Gen Z people, we might say, Tide Pods, hmm they're food, right? Well, no, Tide Pods aren't food, that's a misidentification, Uh, and if you eat Tide Pods, things might not go well for you. Although you might get some likes on Instagram. So our job, if we wanna be clear thinkers, and we're gonna have this hierarchy of concepts, our job is to police this hierarchy, right? This is our, our intellectual responsibility as thinking individuals is to police our hierarchy. And we police that hierarchy using reason. And primarily we're checking for two things. One is we're checking for internal consistency, right? that this is, are there contradictions in this model? All right, is, is there a contradiction somewhere? And the reason that that matters is, there are no contradictions in, in reality, right? There are no contradictions in reality. Reality is not self-contradictory. Um, in fact, I wonder if I have this on a slide somewhere. Hold on. I don't remember if I made a slide for this part. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, there are no contradictions in reality, so we have to weed out contradictions. Um, so we need to look for internal consistency. And so, for example, if we define food as less dense things and rocks as more dense things, well, this is going to lead to some weird problems and in some internal contradictions. We're gonna have watermelon over here under food and we're gonna have lava rock under, here under rock because that's where we, they kind of make sense, but we've defined them wrong and so we end up with this this contradiction because actually watermelon is more dense than lava rocks. So we, there's some kind of contradiction. There's something wrong with this model, right? Um, so we would and to, obviously that correction is very easy. We just redefine food and rock appropriately. Um, but there are no because there are no contradictions in reality. Our model has to have no internal contradictions, right? Um, we could also uh, we also need to weed out what I'm gonna call anti-concepts, which I'll talk about later, but I'm not gonna get into why social justice is an anti-concept right now, but social justice is an anti- anti-concept. Um, anti-concepts actually rely on mutually exclusive other com- concepts, um, and they serve to confuse rather than to clarify things. Um, and we'll, we'll get into why that is. But we're looking for internal contradictions. We're also looking to for fidelity to observed reality and this is hey I'm looking out at the world seeing that it checking that it matches my model constantly right so if uh, again maybe sometimes I realize I need a new concept I find something called dirt where does it go I don't know it's not food it's not a rock I need to find something here Um, I need a concept for Twinkie maybe I need to clarify a concept Twinky, is that food? Well, maybe. Maybe I need a category of junk food that's a subcategory of food. I don't know. Obviously, mom, we talked about like that belongs somewhere. Fidelity errors, like we threw a duck under rock, and it turns out like actually we were we we're trying to define rock, and it's inanimate, and a duck doesn't fit. Okay, that's kind of also an internal contradiction. Uh, so, but we're looking for we're looking to see that our model has two things: one, it's internally consistent, and two, it has fidelity to reality. And that's kind of basically our only job. And most people do a decent job at the low levels. Not everyone, right? Because Tide Pods for some people fit it over here into the food category. So that's all well and good, but to function at kind of a high level, we need a high we need to have more categorization. We need a hierarchy. And obviously the hierarchy is actually going to be much deeper than this. I just added a bunch of bunch of concepts with lines between them. I didn't even label them. But to function at a high level, we need a little bit more organization here. We need to have higher and higher level abstractions. Um, and when I say function at a high level, I mean to long-term plan, to organize with other people, to be more human. Where we can't stop at knowing the difference between, you know, people and rocks and food. We have, to, we have to get beyond that, and we have to talk about concepts like truth and liberty and science and faith, and justice, and agreement, and force. And those are very high up in this uh, this model. They're very high up, they're very abstract concepts. And so to talk about them, we need to have a pretty solid model that includes much higher levels than just rock. And we now we talk about this stuff all the time, right? We talk about truth, or liberty, or whatever whenever we discuss ethics, or politics, or philosophy, or social dynamics, and basically almost any discussion we have beyond subsistence level stuff. Uh, we're, talk, we're using more abstract concepts. Unfortunately, most of us hold many of our abstract concepts like this. This is what Ayn Rand called the floating abstractions. I don't know if she invented this or not. Um, my guess would be it's Aristotelian, but I'm not sure. I, Ayn Rand called this floating abstractions, and what these, these are is these are abstractions that are sitting up here. Maybe this is truth uh, or liberty, or justice. Sometimes they're connected to each other pretty firmly. We understand relations between each other. But they're not tied to our concretes very well at all. And they're not tied to anything else. By the way, this one at the top, I'll maybe get into later. This is just, uh, reality is real. This is just A as A. This is just Aristotle's axiomatic assertion that you can't, you can't actually contradict, you can't deny without, without using. Um, so it's an axiom. So, you know, they're not connected to the axiom, they're not really connected to anything, they're just kind of floating around. And then we proceed to have these discussions with all these floating abstractions. And it basically makes it impossible to, if we've got these floating abstractions, it makes it impossible to perform any of that internal policing function that we need to do. We definitely can't check for internal consistencies here because we really don't know how things are supposed to relate to each other because we're not fuzzy. A lot of times these definitions themselves are just really fuzzy. We're not really sure what they are, so we can't check whether we're consistent internally. Um, And you know, like I said, it also means that we probably don't have a clear definition for these things. If we did have a clear definition, it would be easier to place it in the hierarchy somewhere and know what it relates to and how it relates. So we can't really do our fidelity check to reality this way. We can't look for internal consistencies or inconsistencies this way um and again because we are all infallible all of us have some abstractions up here it's actually laborious to make sure that you're to do this constant police work so some of us all, you know we, we all have some abstractions that are floating but some of us more than others and our goal is to weed these out and to place them where they belong in the hierarchy and the more clearly we define them and place them in our hierarchy of concepts the clearer our thinking becomes uh, and the more efficient our thinking becomes so how do we do this? Right? How do we how do we go about unmuddling our thinking? How do we go about placing these concepts where they belong? Well, I'm gonna this is technical people will like this, software engineers will like this a little bit, I think. But if you've got some sort of tree of nodes, right, this is a, a tree that people would recognize who do programming or algorithms. What we have to do to place a concept in the tree here is we have to define its location, right? And there's a couple ways. I'm going to talk about uh, the easiest and the one that we usually use here, which is who's the parent, okay, where is it? Who's the parent of this concept, and how is this thing different from its siblings, right? Who's the parent, how's it different from its siblings? Once we do that, we know where it sits, right? Then we know where this concept sits. Assuming that this parent is clear, right? So, uh, just to point out, you could also fix the concept's location by looking at its children. um, And say it's the concept that subsumes all of these children uh, in this unique way. Uh, that actually gets kind of difficult because you have to rely on induction, which gets more complex as you rise through. So it's easier to do this, and it's, it's clearer to people to do this. Uh, Johnny Boy Crickdraw asks a question. I'm not. I'm. I'm not normally looking at chats right now, but it's a good question, so I'm going to pause and answer it. He says the tree would have to be multidimensional too. Many lower nodes would be part of multiple higher nodes. Um, not necessarily, although in some sense, yes, concepts can be parts of other concepts, but I'm going to differentiate between words and concepts in a little bit. But yes, you could have some concepts that are part of other concepts. There's multiple relations, that's true, but it is unidirectional. You can't have circular concepts, so it can't be like a a complex network graph, because you can't have circularity, because reality is not circular. So, but that will be harder to draw, so I didn't draw that, Johnny Boy. But since your name is Quick Draw, maybe you can draw it quickly and share it with us. So when we communicate, when we debate or discuss or explain stuff to people, um, we're only really thinking to the extent, we're only really thinking about a concept to the extent that we know what the location of that concept is in the hierarchy, right? In other words, to the extent that we have a clear definition. If we're talking and we don't have a clear definition, we're not really communicating. Um, And actually, we're also not communicating about the concept if the other person that we're talking to doesn't have the same clear definition of the concept. And most of the time, especially online, but even in real life, most of the time when people talk about abstract stuff, they're talking past each other. Because they haven't stopped to define terms, they don't really know what the other person's saying because they're using language completely differently. There's an exception, you can be talking about the same thing without sharing the same definition if you're having a meta-conversation about what the definition should be. But in that case, all your other terms need to be in alignment with each other. So um, there is one more dimension of complexity here that uh, I brought up when I addressed Johnny Boy Quick Draw earlier. Um, Oh, actually, let's do this first. Yeah, let's, so this is what defining a concept would look like. Sorry, I forgot I had this slide. We can translate this previous Location definition, here's the parent and this is how it's different from the siblings. We can get out of programming world or object-oriented world or however you want to look at this and say well, let's, let's use plain English to do this. Well in plain English, defining a concept is this concept belongs to the broader category of blankety-blank, right? This is the genus. It's a, uh, chairs belong to the category of furniture. Okay, like that's a very clear, this is the category. So that's that's telling the parent, OK, and now how's it different? It's distinct from the other concept in this category by blah, 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 and you'd have to, I haven't thought through the definition of chairs, but you'd have to say, well, it's distinct from tables and couches and these other pieces of furniture in that you, a single person sits in one or whatever, maybe some chairs two people sit in. So you'd have to figure out uh, what that definition is. And that, that distinguishes chairs from other things in this category of furniture. Okay, So that's how we do this. Um, I am going to make a, this is a good time to just make a comment here. Um, It is, it would be stifling to stop and define every word in every conversation this way, obviously. We would never get anywhere. And it actually is harder than it looks. It actually can be quite difficult to do. Um, But it's still important to do. Um, and obviously some of this stuff is contextual. People assume that we kind of understand intuitively what these are often. Um, and this is why I'm going to try and just do this for a word. We're going to look at each, a word each episode kind of in this format. What's the broader category? How's it distinct from other members of that, that category or that class? Now there's another level of complexity here, uh, which, can be, can be annoying. And that is that words are not concepts. So you can have a word, well here's the concept, right, belongs to this thing, we talked about this. But this concept might have multiple words, it might refer to different concepts, so the word concept mapping is not the same thing. So sometimes a concept is a phrase, not a word. It's political liberty, you have to say political liberty, as opposed to other kinds of liberty. Now, maybe in context you would drop it because you're having a political discussion, so you're talking about liberty and everyone should know it's political liberty. But it's political liberty, this concept over here, as opposed to some other kind of liberty, which might be over here. Sometimes you've got synonyms with words, right? Big and large are both labels, they're both words that mean the same concept, they're the same thing. At least as far as I can tell, maybe there's a differentiation, I don't know, that you guys can tell me. But you get synonyms like this. Sometimes you get really complex stuff, like the word right. Oh, well, right is a direction, left or right. Oh, also it's the freedom from coercive prohibition. Oh, also it means correct. Oh, also it means it's a political classification. classification. Right, so there's just multiple definitions for the same label, multiple concepts for the same label. And sometimes you get something that has two distinct senses or more, um, but they're not... They're actually related to one another. They're not like wildly different. They're kind of closely related, but there's a distinct way in which each is meant. And sometimes, as I mentioned others uh, before, sometimes there's a concept that's anti. It's an anti-concept. There's a word that refers to an anti-concept. It, it creates an anti-concept. And social justice is one. Um, the reason social justice is one, really briefly, is uh, justice presupposes an individual choice. And only individuals can choose. Groups can't choose. You can't have a form of social justice. Um, justice is individual. Uh, a person either behaves justly or unjustly. Uh, either justice is done to them or not. This is all based on individual actions. You can't have collect. You don't have collective works right? You don't have collective sins and you don't have collective punishments. So this actually, the concept of social justice actually eradicates a whole bunch of other concepts, because if you accept this, you have to, like, throw out a bunch of other concepts. It corrupts them. Before we continue, I just want to warn, warn you guys. Uh, to honest people Uh, I think this is the last slide, by the way. I think I can get rid of this. Yeah, it is. To honest people, words are they're powerful because they, they're clear reference to reality. They're enablers. They enable you to communicate about objective reality to each other. They enable you to understand objective reality. Um, it, they rely on an objective metaphysical view of the universe. Um, they start at concrete reality and they they build up each higher level subsumes other concepts you can't tolerate diction you know contradictions because there's no contradictions in reality so this is what makes words powerful because they they can help represent they can help build this this map hopefully if you're communicating well a shared map of what reality is but to dishonest people and there are a lot to dishonest people words have power only because they can convince other people to do things. For them, words are magic spells that get people to behave how they want them to behave. Um, so coming up, like talking like talking about concepts, introducing concepts, using words is kind of like figuring out some magical incantations. Um, they get people to behave how they want. Contradictions can and do exist. There, it doesn't matter. They don't. The meanings is meanings are irrelevant because they're not tied to objective reality. It doesn't matter, right? They're not. The words are not primarily used as reference to reality. They're used as manipulation tools, and only the effect on other people is what's relevant about the language. Uh, and you see a lot of that today. So my advice, by the way, if you you know recognize if you're dealing with someone like that, my advice would be just to disengage uh, someone like that. If you want to point out their hypocrisy first, you know go ahead, I would warn you, and I warn myself about this all the time, uh, you know, don't accuse someone of being dishonest just because they disagree with you. You can't disengage just because they disagree and like, this isn't worth it, I'm gonna disengage. But, you know, we have to keep in mind that, you know, words don't map perfectly onto concepts. Context is super important. Sometimes you're missing context. Sometimes they're missing context. Sometimes you're both missing context. Uh, And people aren't infallible. So just because someone's disagreeing with you, and using Word differently doesn't mean they're inherently dishonest. Um, although there are a lot of uh, the postmodernists who are inherently dishonest and using words only to manipulate. All right, so... I wonder if I should... No, I, won't, I won't pause, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll keep going and I'll do Super Chats in a minute. So, or Chats, and I see some Super Chats, so I'll answer them. Let's just do today's example, Word. Um, I'm gonna do the word science and I'm gonna start with the Oxford English Dictionary. Now you might say, why are you starting with dictionaries? Um, they're surreptitiously edited and you can't trust them. Yes, that is true. Uh, we all know Merriam-Webster and other places have been surreptitiously editing dictionaries and not telling you. OED's pretty good, they, they usually have Old stuff in there, but I don't know. Maybe they are surreptitiously editing them once in a while. Um, I do keep old paper copy of dictionaries on the shelf behind me. I've got 100 year old dictionaries behind me, and I use them specifically when I'm suspicious about something. I, I open the dictionary. But the reason I want to start with the dictionary is this is where most people get their answers. Like, this is, we need to start with, we're going to start talking about a word or a concept. We can't be like, hey, here we are, we're gonna, you're know, unsafe space people, we're gonna redefine the English language for you, haha. like that's not helpful. We have to understand like, okay, where are people now? What do they kind of mean by this? And we can argue against changes to it or whatever, or we can seek to clarify. Um, but it's a good place to start. Sometimes these definitions are fine. Uh, sometimes they're, they're lacking or horrible. So we're going to take the definitions, the definition of science, and we're going to try and put it in that, ca- in that explicit format. Science belongs to the broader category of blankety-blank and it's differentiated from other members of that category by blankety-blank. That's what we're going to try and do with the word science. So, and one thing you'll learn if you play with OED for a while is you've got to scroll through a lot of definitions because there's a lot of definitions for words. Um, So I'm going to scroll through. One through three here are all old. They all say like archaic and rare, uh, obsolete. So I'm going to scroll through all the first three definitions. They're all archaic or rare in the first three. The first non-archaic or rare definition we come across is 4a. Um, And 4a says paired or contrasted with art. And it talks about science. I'm gonna skip this one because that's not what we mean when when I'm thinking specifically of how people are talking about vaccinations and the COOF right now. They are not contrasting science with art. That's not the context of the discussion. They're talking about something else when they say trust the science. So we're gonna we're gonna say well, that's not the context that we mean in this. We're not trying to differentiate the science from an art. Although we could go through this if we want. So let's scroll down. 4B is the first one that I think is a concept, you know, points to the concept that's kind of what people are talking about that we kind of care about. And this definition actually isn't bad. It's kind of wordy, but I'm going to read it to you. For It's definition 4B. A branch of study that deals with a connected body of demonstrated truths or with observed facts systemically systematically classified and more or less comprehended by general laws and incorporating trustworthy methods, now especially those involving the scientific method in which incorporate falsifiable hypotheses, for the discovery of new truth in its own domain." Now that's a mouthful. That is a mouthful. But, let's take a look about, look at it and figure out who the parent is and how it's different from the children. So, um, what category is science in? Well, they make it pretty clear here, and, and this isn't bad. But this is not a bad definition, right? They make it pretty clear. It's a branch of study. Okay, I don't love that, but it's 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 okay. It's not super. That's not great, but it's okay. Branch of study. All right, it's a branch of study. I'll, I'll I'll buy that. Maybe we could say it's about the natural world. Maybe we could be a bit clearer what we mean by a branch of study. But it's that's not bad, right? Okay, how does it? differentiate from other branches of study? What's different about science? And there's two things that this dictionary definition points out. One is it deals with a connected body of demonstrated truths or observed facts systematically classified and more or less comprehended by general laws. Now, uh, I don't know if it's necessary. It does, this does at least correspond to reality, which is true. You would want science to be, well, it's different from other branches of study like maybe music in that it directly corresponds to observable physical phenomenon or nature or whatever. So this is kind of saying, look, it is observed facts. Okay. It's they're systematically classified. Okay. I don't know if you need to have comprehended by general laws. And I don't know if maybe a nascent science might not have a lot of general laws and it would still be a science, but okay, this is there. They're differentiating it from other things here. And the second thing they say here is, the sef- second differentiator, is this second half here. Incorporating trustworthy methods, now especially those involving the scientific method, and which incorporate falsifiable hypotheses for the discovery of new truth in its own domain. Now, this is a little bit sloppy. I don't know what trustworthy methods mean. That's kind of a, a sloppy thing here. but. They are referencing the scientific method. I wouldn't say now, especially those involving the scientific method. I would probably explicitly say it must involve the scientific method and falsifiable hypotheses. That's what makes it science. Um, But this is generally also not bad, which is why this definition itself isn't that bad, right? They're referencing the scientific method and they're referencing falsifiable hypotheses in some way. It's not a horrible definition, actually, of science. But the one that's going to interest you guys. So that's 4B. All right. Now um, I'm going to scroll down. Uh, 4C is of science. We're going to we're going to skip that for a couple of reasons. Five. Um, we can skip actually 5A and B. Um, they're just not relevant to what we're talking about. However. You'll like 5C and D. Um, the science, with with the, so C says with the and D says uh, frequently with the. So th- let's actually take a look at D because D is, is my favorite that will relate to what's going on right now. Scientific results obtained from observations, experiments, etc., scientific data frequently the. So this is the science. This is where the science comes about, the science. Now notice something here. A couple things. First, uh, the first use of this is 1979. A lot of this stuff is like, if you scroll back, 1777, like it's old. This one, the first use is 1979. Then after that, 88. This first, the first one they cite. I'm sure it's been, you know, used. But this is much newer. You might also look like, you might look at this and also say, well, this is circular, because they're saying scientific results. And they're defining science. So this seems kind of circular. I would argue it's probably not circular, because they are using the, a different sense of the word science here. They're probably using the one that we just defined above, For b they're, they're referring to that concept. So results obtained from the, the science that we just talked about, that was pretty well defined, okay? So it's not really circular. Um, so that would make the scientific method still part of this, right? So it prohibits cherry picking and that kind of stuff. It says when you say the science, you're referring to scientific results that have followed the scientific method, that are part of that previous definition. Now the implications of that mean that If uh, It kind of means that like dissenting arguments, other theories, contradictory results, all that stuff needs to be out in the open and heard in order for it to match scientific results because it's going to refer back to that other definition of science that includes falsifiable hypotheses and, and the scientific method. So you can't cherry pick. So if disagreement and questioning is not permitted, it's not scientific therefore it's not the science it's not the science so when you hear with respect to this coof stuff especially and how they are how they're having the conversation regardless of let's pretend that the vaccines are 100% effective and everything's above board and fine regardless because of the way that dissent is being treated because of the way That alternate hypotheses and alternate uh, or contradictory data is being treated, you can be certain that the scientific method isn't being followed. The contradictory information isn't being viewed and displayed. Therefore it's not the science. Uh, So you can throw away this trust the science um, bromide uh, because they don't mean it. They mean trust the mandates, so, or trust our particular scientists and what they're saying. So you can have some understanding now that there's some intellectual subterfuge happening, and I know a lot of you knew this, this is why I'm picking the word science, because you already kind of know this, it's a relatively easy one. Um, You can kind of see the intellectual subterfuge that's happening here, because um, thus science is being used while undermining the scientific part of its definition. and that serves, in our hierarchy of concepts, that serves not to clarify, but to obfuscate. That serves to deceive us, and it serves to make our concepts less connected to reality, less connected to each other, and more confusing. It actually serves to destroy the very concept of science. That's the purpose of it. That's what it does. So... Um, I'm gonna do some. I'm gonna some chats, and now's a good time to look at some some chats. I know there were some coming in. Uh, I hope I didn't go through that too quickly or too slowly. I was debating about how speedy or laborious to make this, um, but I would encourage you to think about definitions in the way that I just presented. They're a. Uh, I, I often use the words genus and species. They're part. Of, they're a member of this genus, and they're differentiated. This is their species. This is how they're differentiated from other members of that genus. This is their species, right? So how are they different from their siblings and what broader category are they a part of I think it will really help clarify your thinking about things. Um, And don't feel bad if you sit down and you're like, all right, I'm gonna do freedom. That's hard. It won't be easy, actually. Uh, Expect it to be hard, Uh, but we'll, you know, we'll do some of these moving forward. We'll pick some words and we'll try and work on them together and see if we can get ourselves into some clear definitions which will lead to clear thought. Okay, so I'm gonna do some super chats and then if there's some other chats, we can do that. Power says, uh, I regularly annoy my colleagues and clients by asking, well, what do you mean by that? And what does that mean for you in this context? Yeah, that's annoying because thinking is hard, right? Thinking is not easy, it's hard and no one wants to do it. Um, you know, fundamentally, you could make an argument and the arguments have been made and by the way all the philosophy that i'm saying i've not invented any of this i've this is stuff i've picked up from other people um, so i'm not claiming to have invented any of this i'm just trying to you know i've integrated a bunch of stuff in my head i have particular ideas about the world and i'm trying to communicate to you what i how i think this stuff works and you know maybe i'll we'll change my mind as we have discussions moving on but um the reason you know or you could i you could make an argument i think pirate tomsky that uh the essence of morality comes down to a single choice um which is the decision to think or not think and it's choosing think um which i know sounds really weird and that's that will be a long complex argument because you'd have to tie it into why thinking leads to moral behavior but um without getting into the ethics of it just introspect for a minute. We all have times when we're presented with something and there's this uncomfortable like contradiction even maybe or uncomfortable feeling that comes up in our mind's eye that's like I don't I don't like this like it 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 doesn't feel good it maybe it contradicts something obviously maybe we're not we maybe we don't see the contradiction but it doesn't feel good and thinking about it feels laborious like looking at it further peeling the layers of the onion back it feels overwhelming and laborious um and to the extent that we say, yes, I'm going to think about it anyway, um, we become a clearer thinker and we, we become uh, better and we become more integrated. Because uh, when we choose to evade that responsibility of thought and and push that down, that's when we start to create these floating abstractions in our mind. Uh, we, we create these floating abstractions. And actually, we also undermine our sense of self-efficacy uh, in dealing with the world. And so because we haven't practiced that muscle of thinking and dealing with the world, uh, it becomes more and more uh, daunting to do when we're confronted with it. So I think that your colleagues get annoyed because, uh, I mean, maybe you're just a troll, Pirate Tomsky. I don't know. Maybe you're just doing it to bother them, and it can be annoying to someone say, what do you mean by that? Like if I say, let's go get Chinese food for lunch, and Pirate Tomsky's like, what did you mean by that? Then he's just annoying, right? Um, But uh, probably it's, that they don't really know what they mean by that, and they don't want to have to be forced to think about it because you're asking them to do intellectual labor, and that's not fun for a lot of people. Um, so, all right, let's look down and find another super chat. Richard Petz, he says, Hi, Carter, just wanted to say hello as I've just tuned in. I will have to rewind to get the whole thing. Cheers, Richard. Hey, Richard, welcome. Feel free to rewind. Uh, Wiley Coyote, hey, Wiley. Where the hell you... Y'all been, Carter? Ya been, Carter. Sorry, not y'all been. I didn't want to make you Texas. Make Texan. Uh, YouTube jail again. Yes, we were in YouTube jail again. We were out of YouTube jail. Uh, but you can always, even when we're in YouTube jail, Wiley, Cody, and anyone else listening, always go to unsafespace.com. We were broadcasting from YouTube jail. We, weren't, we just weren't broadcasting from our main channel. We were broadcasting from backup channel. or also on uh, other platforms. So unsafespace.com always has our live broadcast, no matter where uh, we stand with respect to Susan. Pyrotomsky, another one from Tomsky, says, it's a massive and pervasive art form to tell people to trust the science. It's not a scientific form, that's for sure. I guess it is, uh, art form. Brian, and Brian just gives us three bucks and a little waving emoji thing. I don't know what that is. It's weird. Uh, Richard Pett says, thank you, Carter, for this. It's been a long time coming and will serve everyone well. I hope so. I mean, I, you know, I didn't do it too, I didn't go too deep into it, uh, but I did, uh, I didn't want to go too deep. I also didn't want to go too light. Maybe I went too light. I don't know. Um, all right. So that's it for super chats that I see. If there's any other, if there's any other um, things people want me to talk about or if there's uh, arguments or clarifications or anything, uh, Beverly, since you're here, tell me. And I will take a look at those. But um, oh, Pirate Tomsky says it comes down to a value structure, in my opinion. If you understand the values of others, you can start to understand their perspectives and predict behavior. I'm not sure what comes down to a value structure, but it is true that if you understand the values of others, you can start to understand their perspectives and predict their behavior. Absolutely. Um, and you know, part of that hierarchy, part of that concept hierarchy, is you know, human psychology and understanding how humans behave and being able to categorize people and say, oh, this is more like they're more likely to do this, they're more likely to do that. Um, so all right. Let's see if there's anything else. Uh, I think we might be I think we might be good to go. I don't want to keep you beyond what we need to be here for. So I don't see any other uh, intellectual counter arguments of clarification or anything else on this i just see some chatting so i'm going to let you guys go uh, as a reminder you can uh please please suggest topics by the way you can email them to speak at unsafespace.com if you want particular topics i've got some stuff uh, i've got some definitions i want to talk about i've got some other topics to talk about um again i hope i didn't rush through this too much but um you can always support the show by going on unsafespace.com you can subscribe on YouTube. You can uh, buy merch, become a paying subscriber, all that kind of stuff. Um, and as a reminder, we have Sonny Lohman from House of Sonny on Coffee Break this Friday, so you'll see her there. And we're actually debuting another uh, new series called uh, 451 Degrees, who, which is hosted by Alex Maselli. And that premieres, I think, this Friday at 5 PM Pacific, 8 PM Eastern. Um, so if you, you can check that out. Greg Baritone says, Carter, when are you teaching us string theory? Uh, yeah, probably we won't get into that one, Greg. Although, you know, maybe I'll, maybe I'll interview someone who knows string theory a lot. So, Pyrrothomsy says, A journey of the path to anarcho-capitalist. Yeah, I mean, I think that would be a good one. I think that journey starts with, um, uh, you know, I didn't get into this with Mark Pellegrino the other day on... Coffee break because we got sidetracked, but uh, for me the journey goes from metaphysics to epistemology to ethics, and then I do not follow other. And I, I am like using the word objectivist because I don't like a lot of the. I, I don't think they behave rationally, so I'm not. I don't want to use that word, but I don't follow them to the the, pol- the politics. um And I think that they have hidden assumptions in, uh, in their political uh, beliefs. And so I just don't follow them there. I would argue that anarchy is kind of the default. If you're going to start from an abstract and you're going to explore what's needed for man to live on earth and to be happy and to thrive, you have to explain why you should give up physical force and relinquish your ability uh, and desire to use force. You have to explain why you should give it up to someone else. You can explain why you shouldn't use it in certain cases, right? You shouldn't initiate it. Like, that's easy to explain. It's another thing to explain why you should give it up to other people, and the idea that obviously you should give it up to a constitutional republic and blah 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 it's just not philosophical it's just an arbitrary assertion that like clearly this is the right form of government and you know you have people like uh curtis yarvin who argue for monarchy you've got like there's all different people proposing things there's all different proposals out there um and i'm primarily an anarchist because i don't uh i'm not convinced by any of those arguments and I don't really care, because I think we need to get the philosophy and culture straightened out first. And once we're all much more rational, um, once we're all much more individualists ethically, we can have a conversation about how we want to organize our society together. Uh, so all right, um, I think that's it. Thank you guys for watching. Uh, I will see you guys on Friday for uh For coffee break. Um, Someone says, is this going to be philosophy or philosophical concepts, this show? Uh, It's, I'm not actually sure what, I mean, philosophical concepts are part of philosophy. It's not going to be big P philosophy where we talk about, this is what Nietzsche said, and this is what Hegel said, and this is what David Hume said. Um, Because as I explained at the beginning of the show, I don't care. Um, We're going to talk about how to live on Earth with your primary means of survival, which is your functioning rational mind. So with that said, have a good one, everyone. Uh, I hope this was great. I, If it wasn't, I actually do want feedback. If it needs to change, whatever, this is the very first show of its kind. So if we need to change something, please tell me. Um, if you like aspects of it, please tell me that as well. All right, later, everyone.
1: For your protection, the following co conspirators have been unpersoned and scheduled for ideological vaccination. To avoid cancellation, please update your ideological contact tracing app on your smart device immediately. Here's a fun fact only vaccinated Black Lives Matter. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions but don't think about it I mean that's not your job thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance science scientific and scientifically are registered trademarks at the world economic forum unauthorized use is prohibited computer voice Curtis never mind That last line is fake news, please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately, there will be cake.